Let's open our Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> Last week we, uh, <clears throat> we talked about the new and uh, that God is in the business of new things, and that's so exciting and, and uh, scary too at the same time. But God has new mercies for us every day. He's got new things for us. He's got a new song for us to sing. New life, a new covenant, a new birth, new creation, new self, new wineskins, new wine, a new command, a new heart, a new spirit, new heavens, new earth. That's exciting. A lot of new stuff, huh? And then in Revelation 20, uh, 21, verse 5, he said, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So at some point in time, he's going to make it all new. It's, he's going to put it all together. And, and uh, maybe for you, God has got some new steps, some new avenues, some new direction in your life. And, but he's going to give you new strength to do it. He doesn't ask you to do something. He doesn't direct you to do something. He's not going to give you the strength to do it. And it, maybe it's a new start for you uh, in this new year. First Kings chapter 19 is about Elijah. This is one of my, again, I've been doing a series of some of my favorite scriptures, not all of them, but some of them. And this is one of my favorites that I go back to. And you'll see why in, in just a few minutes. But Elijah, he's, he, he's in the desert, and then he's in a cave. Now the context uh, for First, First Kings 19 is... is uh, Elijah, in chapter 18, Elijah has this massive victory, and, and he stands up for God, and, and God does an incredible thing. thing. You can read it. We're not gonna, we don't have time to read it now, but you can read it in, and uh, see that God does an incredible, incredible thing there uh, on Mount Carmel. And look back just for a minute in, in verse 21, Elijah, in chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah uh, went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So there was the false god Baal, and then there was the true God, the Lord. And, and then it says, But the people said nothing. Not a good answer. So we have this huge contest, then, but it jumped down to verse 38. It says, uh, at the end, uh, Elijah prays and, and asks God to just show himself. And, and uh, in verse 38, it says, The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This is the context now of chapter 19. And so let's pick it up there in verse 1. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab was the king of Israel, and Jezebel was his wife, told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Jezebel makes this threat. She was a wicked woman. She promoted false worship. She led people away from the Lord. And so she makes this threat. This one woman now. Yeah, she was the king's wife and everything, but, but compared to what had just happened now, this had just happened about you know, all these prophets and, and uh, this incredible victory with God. So what does Elijah do? He, he prays and he stands in faith, right? 
and he just rejoices. God is going to get the victory again, right? And that's what you and I would all do, right? When someone's threatening us and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're like dead meat, basically what she said to him, by tomorrow. So what does Elijah do? It says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He was afraid and he ran for his life. Incredible. This is Elijah, the great prophet, right? I mean, you read about the stuff that he was involved in, did. God used him to do. This is Elijah now. This is not just, you know, some nobody. He, he had this incredible victory, and it says that he got afraid and he ran for his life. It's interesting to me when I think about this, you know, what, God had done this incredible thing, and now one person's opinion, one person's threat makes Elijah run for his life. It's amazing how one person can, and though we have, uh, you know, 50 people around us that are encouraging us and, and we know that we're in the right path, the right, uh, going the right direction, and one person says something and we start to get all freaked out. That ever happened to you? You know, most of you kind of like me a little bit, but if one person says something, I go, oh, that's it. I, I must be going the wrong way. I must be doing the wrong thing. Now, don't feel like you can't tell me something if I'm really going the wrong direction here. But, <clears throat> but he lost his courage. And you know that fight or flight thing? And, and, and he had just had an incredible fight. He knew, what it mean, he, he knew what it meant to fight. But he also, now he knows what it means to flight too. <laughs> fight or flight. And sometimes, you know. And so look what happens. It says that he goes to a place called Beersheba in Judah. When he, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He went to Beersheba, which was like 100 miles away. And by the way, that's where Anthony and Irene are living in Beersheba, they call it now, but it's the same place. And it's in the middle of the desert. It's a big city now, but back then, very small. In the middle of the desert, about 100 miles away from where they were. So this guy, he, he didn't just like go hide out in the coffee shop or something. He went 100 miles that's how fearful he was. That's the extent, that's the, uh, you know, the nature of, of, of how this fear had, had really gotten inside of him. He thought he would just run and hide. And, and, and when we run and hide, does it, let me ask you the question, does it make the problems go away? It doesn't? I thought it, if you, 100 miles, separate yourself 100 miles from the problem, that is going to make it just disappear, go away, right? Doesn't it? You can go 100,000 miles. We can't go that far, can we? You can go a long way. You can go around the other side of the globe, but you know what? The problems are still going to be there. And notice, too, it says that he left his servant there. Verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. So he, he was with someone, and then he left his servant, and he went another 15 miles or so. So now he's completely isolated, completely by himself. Now, there, there is something good about, you know, getting alone with God, and I talk about that a lot, right? When, when you and I need to get on our faces alone with God, and we need to be alone with God every single day. But, but he's now isolated himself. He's now got himself where, you know, what is he going to do? He's, he, he doesn't have anybody there with him, and it says that he came to a broom tree in verse 4 in the middle, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. 
He sat down under it and he said, he said these words, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He, he was fearful. He was exhausted. He was discouraged. Yeah, he was depressed, if you want to use that, the common word or the, uh, the current word. And, and, and I wonder, you know, looking at his story, can any of you relate to that? This is why I go back to it because I find myself here in this place, like I, you know, what, you know, I've had enough. I, you know, I, I just want to go home. I wanna, I wanna just be kind of done with what's here. Any of you ever feel that way? Any of any of you can relate to Elijah, the great prophet, and and James tells us that he was a man just like us. He was a human being just like you and I were. He wasn't Superman or, or Batman or. What was the other one last week? Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, that was funny. But, but he had just been in this incredible victory, and he'd forgotten what had just happened. It had just happened. It wasn't a year ago. It wasn't, you know, a week ago. It had just happened. And he'd already forgotten what God had been able to do. Man. Many times after a victory, this is what happens, though, isn't it? Warren Wiersbe said, how often our greatest trials follow our greatest blessings. And here the man of faith becomes a man of fear. And the man of faith becomes a man of fear. What, you know, we can change like that. We're kind of like that. We're, what's that word? Uh, huh? What? Well, that too. That's a little more intense than that, though, where we can change. Two personalities. Schizophrenic, that's it, thank you. Schizophrenic, you know. He's a man of faith one day, the next day he's a man of fear. And we all got that kind of thing inside of us, and, and that's why we got to depend on God, we got to grow in Him, and, and we'll see here. And he says, you know, I have had enough, Lord, take my life, I am no better than my ancestor. You kind of get the idea who he's focusing on? And that's where we get in trouble every single time. I find it in myself and I find it in other people. When we begin to focus only on I, me, my, we start to get into trouble. We start going in, in a bad, bad direction. Feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't the only guy that that ever happened to in the Bible, by the way. So you and I are in good company. Moses, Job, Jeremiah, Jonah. But notice, he, he, he's still kind of spiritual. He's still praying. He says, I have had enough, Lord. He's praying to God about it, right? And what does God tell him? He says, take my life, Lord. I'm no better. Take my life. And, and what does God say to him? No, he says. God answered his prayer, right? And he says, no. He doesn't do what... Elijah wants him to do, and, and you know what? That's a good thing, right? Because God, that's why God is God and we are human. Uh, you know, he knows what's best. She, she talked about having a father in heaven, and I know what that's like, and the father knows best. And he makes the determination whether he should answer our prayers in one way or another. I, I completely believe that he answers every single prayer, but he doesn't answer them according to what we want. He, he answers them according to his will. He says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Look at my family. 
Look at my mom, my dad. We heard some testimonies. I, I, I've talked about my own family. Look at them. I, you know, I'm no better than any of them. And, and he says, so what? What's that got to do with anything? You are mine, he says. You're mine, and I've got my hand on your life. Your ancestors, what's that got to do with it? We use that as an excuse. Well, if my you know, family hadn't, you know, hadn't done this and all that, it, it's got, you know, I understand that affects us, and it still affects me in a, in a deep sort of way. But, but God changes lives. But God takes us in a, in a whole new direction. But God can make something out of nothing. He creates out of nothing. It says he lay down under the, street, under, the, under the tree and he fell asleep. Verse 5. <clears throat> he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. And he was kind of tired. And we do get kind of tired. Yeah, okay, for sure, we do. And there's a time for rest when God gives us a break and God gives us a chance to, to get rejuvenated and everything like that. And we do need retreats where we can just get, you know, pumped back up again. Um, and, and he needed some rest. But you don't stay there, right? You don't stay in bed. It says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. All at once an angel said, okay, time, you know, sleepy time is, uh, is over now. Get up, he says, and you need to eat. Get out of bed. And, and I think one of the things that we do is, is we, we think... And, you know, we start to get a little bit down and we're just going to stay in bed. We're not going to get up. And, and I think God wants us to, to get up. And, and so often, and just getting up and moving around makes you feel a little bit different. But if you keep laying there, you're going to still feel like a log. You're going to look like a log. You're going to act like a log. And he says, get up. Maybe you haven't eaten for a few days. Maybe you, haven't, you're, you don't have much of an appetite. Get up and eat, he says in, in verse 6. It says that he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. It was right there for him. God provided. God will provide what we need. Verse 7, he lay down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. The second time it happens again. Get up and eat. Yeah, rest is good. And someone said that, you know, he's, he was being treated by God here and his treatment was rest and food and drink and then more rest and more food and more drink and those are good things. Up to a point though. Rest is good up to a point. You know, when it starts being 12 hours, that's probably a little too much when you're in bed for 12 or 14 hours. Right? You know what I'm saying here? So, oh no, that's not me. Yes, it is. I know. I understand. I've been there. I, I, I go through the trials and the troubles of this life. Food, food is good to a point, too. You know, that third helping is probably not necessary. <laughs> but he says the journey is too much for you. And, and you know what? Uh, you know, that's why I go back to these verses, because I know the journey is too much for me. The journey is too much for you. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot make it on your own. And sometimes we get to that place where we think, I'm doing pretty good now. I'm doing pretty, you know, I can, I can do this. And God says, okay, we'll see. And you end up out in the desert by yourself and in a bad way, messed up. And God speaks through this angel. He says, you know what, the journey is too much 
for you. I want you to know that. It's not, it's not a matter of, uh, you know, a bad thing for us to admit, you know, the journey's too much for me. It's okay to say that because then we look to where we need to get the strength and it says that he was strengthened by that food in verse 8. He got up and he ate and drank and he was strengthened by that food. He was strengthened by what God gave to him and he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 40 days and 40 nights. God gave him what he needed. I... I, looked up the word strengthened and, and uh, <clears throat> even in, in Luke chapter 22 it says that, that in the garden you remember an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and strengthened him he knew what it was like to be weak he never sinned but he knew physically having a human body what it was like to be weak Abraham says that he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God Paul's prayer for the Colossians that they would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. We, we need strength. The journey's too much, and unless we get God's strength, it's, we're not going to do it. We need it every single day. Every single day. So he got up and he, and he, he ate and drank. He, he was strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he got to Horeb, the mountain of God. And this is really Mount Sinai. And it says... Verse 9, there he went into a cave and he spent the night. First of all, he's out in the desert, this, uh, you know, open desert, nothing out there. And now he finds himself in a dark, lonely cave. And I don't know about you, but do you ever, you ever kind of feel that way? You wake up, you feel like you're just in a cave. You're just in a cave. And, and how did I get here in this cave? How did I end up in this place? I don't know if Elijah was thinking about it. I'm sure he wasn't going, man, this is kind of nice. You know, damp, dark cave. This is, this is pretty cool. I think I'll stay here. I think I'll put some pictures up on the wall and, and you know, and make, a, make a home of it. I want you to know as well that he went another 200 miles. 200 miles. So he's now like 300 miles away from where he was. And now there in that dark, lonely cave, God deals with him. God deals with him. And, and God knew where he was, you know. He was trying to run and hide, but God knew exactly where he was. It says, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? That's the first thing God says to him. He, he provided food for him. He told him to get up and eat and get up and get moving. But he says to him, what are you doing here? God spoke to him right where he was. And you and I, we need to hear God's voice. But we don't always really like what he has to say. And, and, and I don't know if Elijah liked what he had to say. He says, what are you doing here? He asked him a question. Of course, did God know where he was? God knew where he was. God knows where you are. God knows where I am. But God wanted Elijah to think about what are you doing here? How did you get here? 300 miles away. God never sent him there, you see. God would meet with him there, but God did not send him there. And, and you and I sometimes find ourselves in places that we shouldn't be. We, and God says, what are you doing here? God's asking Elijah, why did you run? Didn't you think that I could deal with Jezebel? Didn't you think I could deal with that one person? Didn't, you know, what I just did with 450 of these prophets and 400 of the other, 850. 
false prophets? Elijah's answer, verse 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I think he probably put that King James voice on when he said that, you know, talking to God. I have been very zealous. The Israelites have, bro- have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Again, who is he occupied here with? Himself. Now, it's not a bad thing to be zealous. It's good to be zealous for the Lord. The zeal without knowledge is not a good idea, and he didn't really know what he was talking about. Really? He had zeal without knowledge. And when we start comparing ourselves to other people, comparing ourselves to what other people are doing or they're not doing, not a good thing. Verse 11, the the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So God told them to go out and stand on the mountain. We... It's not really clear here if he, did, if, he, if he did that then or not. Maybe not, as we'll see in verse 13. But it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. All these incredible things that happened, right? A powerful wind, an earthquake, a fire. It was like earth, wind, and fire were there. I just want to see if you're listening, that's all. <laughs> Radical things were happening, but what, what are they looking for? What are you and I looking for? Some great and giant voice to speak out of the sky? You know, we got to see this, you know, plane pulling the words through the sky for, for, we'll, for we'll listen, before we'll do what God wants us to do. It said, after the fire came a gentle whisper or a still, small voice. That's where this phrase comes from, this verse here, 1 Kings 19. Verse 12, a still, small voice. And this was the Lord speaking, and the Lord was in that still, small voice. But to hear the still, small voice, you have to be what? Quiet. You have to be quiet and listen. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that He is God. Now in verse 13 it says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. That's why it's not clear whether he really got up when God said, go out and stand on the mountain. He could hear those things, perhaps, and see them, but but now he gets up. He hears God's voice, that still, small voice that drew him out of the cave. You and I need to, to get to know that voice, you know, and we can, and we have a relationship with him where he speaks to us, and we speak to him. It's not just us giving him a list or speaking to him. It's him speaking to us. But we have to be quiet and listen. We have to know his voice. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep know me and I know them. They know my voice. Of course, he knows our voice. There's this relationship that, that takes place. That's still small voice. But look what he says. This is kind of funny, really. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says the same thing to him again. 
He didn't really answer the question the first time he asked it, so God asks him again. And I don't know about you, but, you know, God has to get through to me one, two, three, four, five times. Finally, you know, you start to get, oh, now I get the, now I understand. And when God repeats something, we got to listen very carefully. But Elijah here, verse, verse 14, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. What does he do? He says the same thing over again. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. How does God deal with somebody like that, you know? I am the only one left. I am the only one left. You know, how does God deal with people like that? Well, like you and me, okay? And now they're trying to kill me too. Because I am the only one left. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? He's still not getting it, but finally God makes it clear. He asks him, what are you doing here? Twice he asks him that. Elijah comes up with his ridiculous, you know, answer. But God finally answers and tells him. He says, okay, listen, whatever. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Go back the way you came. Go back. You're not supposed to be here. No, Elijah, read my... No. Elijah, go back. Go back the way you came. Go back. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. I never sent you here. I didn't call you to come here. I wasn't done with you there. Go back, he says to Elijah. Go back. You know, uh, I've shared our story many times, but we ended up in Connecticut from Rhode Island. We came to Rhode Island. We couldn't find the island that uh, they were talking about today. <laughs> so we left Rhode Island. <laughs> no, really, it was because, because I was just discouraged, really. And we ended up in Connecticut. And this scripture is what God used in my life to say, go back the way you came. And I, said, and, I, and I thought about that. I go, okay, how far back? And, and literally, I said that. So I started, you know, going back step by step. And I, I called my, uh, my, uh, the director at the Bible college where I was teaching. And I said, can I come back? And he said, no. <laughs> Why? Why would I want you back? No, he didn't say that. And, and I'm thinking, California. Um, <clears throat> I was... Our, our grandkids watched, uh, you know, Mary Poppins and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I'm teaching them how to say that. I teach them a lot of good things, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so they were saying Supercalifornia, you know, and I'm going, wait a minute. But, but that was the question I had, how far back? And, and God just wanted me to go one step back. And the incredible thing was he had it already. We went back into the exact same house that we left. And that's like, it was a rental house. Like, how does that happen a year later? Okay. And, and you know what? Let me tell you, that was a desert experience there in Connecticut for that year. Like, it was like, it was like a desert experience. I mean, the stuff that happened there, I mean, just personally to us, the house was infested with fleas and mice, and the well was tainted, and, and like, what are we, you know... We're asking the question, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, 
Go back the way you came. And when you get there, he says, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. So in other words, what he's saying is here, I've got some work for you to do. I've got things for you to do, Elijah, he said. What are you doing here? No, you don't belong here. You belong back there where I had you. I've got things for you to do. You've got some anointing to do, right? You've got some anointing you need to do. Interestingly enough, one of them ends up being Elisha, who was his companion, who spent time with him. And nice to have some traveling partner, right? They're both kind of strange guys when you look at their characters and everything, but at least they hung out together. They, they, they had a good time together until Elijah had to go and, you know, ascend into heaven. Like, what, what's that all about? <laughs> Till he's done with us, we've got to stay. We've got to stay. We, we can't run and hide. Though there's difficulties, though there's people that don't like you, that don't like what you do, they don't like how you act, they don't like things about you. I've had people who just don't like what I do, and, and you know, okay, I don't like what I do either, but, you know, I got to just be me. I got to do what I can do, and I can't do anything else. God is working on me. Be patient with me, please. That's no excuse. I'm not making excuses for my rough edges. But I got to do what God's called me to do until he's done with me. I visited my mother a few weeks ago, as you know, and I, and I told her I was just, I was really kind of, <clears throat> I was kind of just trying to get the subject onto heaven because she's 89 and I want to make sure she's ready for heaven. And, uh, and I told her, and I was being honest. I said, you know, I want to go to heaven. I want to go home to heaven sometimes. I'm just, again, just trying to be a little sly and get the subject around. And she says, you know what? You still have work to do. You still have work to do. You know, my mother, she's... I wish you could meet her. but Doing what God wants us to do, you know, taking our eyes off ourselves, staying busy about the father's business. Jesus was 12 years old, you know, and he said, you know, didn't you know? His parents go like, where were you, boy? And he said, hold on. I had to be about the father's business. I had to do what I was supposed to do. So where does he have you? And what has he called you to do? You, You can't run. We can't run. We can't hide. Warren Wiersbe said that, that, you know, he said to Elijah, stop complaining and get back to work. And I would add to that, you know, you're not really as cool as you think you are, Elijah. You know, get back to work. Go back and do what God's called you to do. And by the way, verse 18, he says, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, all that nonsense about you being the only one, just get, you know, lose that nonsense because I got 7,000. You think you're the only one. i got 7,000 more. You're not the only one left. Just do what I called you to do. Don't worry about all the rest of them. You remember the story of, you know, Peter. He's saying, well, what about John? He says, forget about John. Do what I called you to do. You follow me. 
So what did God say to Elijah? He said, get up and eat, for the journey's too much for you. He says, what are you doing here? He says, go out and stand on the mountain. Again, what are you doing here? And then he says, go back and do what I tell you. You're not the only one. God isn't finished with you yet. God isn't finished with me yet. But we find ourselves in those places, don't we, often. And so that's why we have this incredible we have this incredible book that God's given to us. When you find yourself in that slimy cave, go get the book and open it up, 1 Kings 19. That's why you have passages that you can go back to and you know where they are. And you can read it and you go, oh, oh. And, and God can speak to you through his word. And, and, and you're no different than Elijah. I'm no different than Elijah. And God can say, you know what? Get up out of your bed, eat something, and then stay busy and do what I've called you to do. Amen?